0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 279 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for being here with me today. And today we're going to be reviewing a hand played at 2,000, 4,000 euro with a 4,000 ante. So this is a gigantic game. Players are in there battling, and well, let's take a look. Here we have Paul raising on the button to 12,000 euros, three big blinds, which is perfectly fine, perfectly standard. Um, Notice the players are playing about 125 big blinds deep, so pretty deep stacked game. So Paul raises button, and now Tony G, who enjoys playing pots, he picks up king-nine offsuit in the small blind. And this is a hand where I think I'd probably just prefer 3-betting. It is worth mentioning Isaac Haxton is in the big blind. He's also just a very, very strong player. And 3-betting is going to get Isaac Haxton to fold way more often than if you call. And you don't really want to be playing hands like King-9 offsuit three ways out of position. So I think you would prefer to just go ahead and 3-bet immediately. And to be fair, Paul probably would have stuck around with the Queen-8 of hearts. But realize then Tony G is making the pot a little bit bigger with an okay hand. And he also pretty much ensures Isaac Haxton plays relatively straightforwardly. So, I definitely think this is a hand that you probably want to elect to 3-bet. But, Tony G does call, which is, you know, acceptable. It is worth mentioning, if you are watching this on JonathanLittlePoker.com or at on uh, YouTube, the chips seem to be... The uh, small chips are 1,000. The big chips are 10,000. So... Kind of abnormal chip denominations. All right, flop comes. King, 7, 2, giving Tony G a top pair and giving Paul undercards with a backdoor flush draw. Okay, so now Tony G does something relatively odd. He elects to lead for 20k. And this is something some players do with um, a lot of their marginal made hands just to get protection, to extract value from some worse hands. But a problem with this is that if you do face a raise, it puts you in a pretty dicey scenario. Now, these players probably have a decent amount of history. I've seen them playing before, I believe. So because of that, I think we can at least assume that both players have some idea of how the other plays. So if Tony G thinks he can lead here and then induce Paul to raise with all sorts of junk, then leading and then just calling down from there is actually pretty sweet, right? Because you're going to end up extracting a lot of value because he's going to be bluffing with stuff like, well, queen eight suited, and he's in very, very bad shape. Like, you hear you, in this scenario, he has 5% equity, not a whole lot, right? So if you know your opponent's going to raise a lead almost every time, then leading becomes a really, really strong exploitative play. But from a game theory optimal point of view, this is a scenario where Tony G probably doesn't want to be doing a whole lot of leading. I mean, it depends on his range, of course. But uh, with this type of hand, you're usually just very happy checking and letting the preflop raiser drive the action. But he does lead 20K, and now Paul has an interesting decision where if I was in Paul's shoes, I would probably go ahead and raise his hand with backdoor draws. Um, Calling is also fine. Notice... he, has to put, he would have to put in 20 into a pot that would go up to 72,000. So he's getting pretty good pot odds in position with a hand that's going to turn a lot of equity. He can probably bluff on an ace. A queen or an ace is going to be good sometimes. It's a dicey spot. So this is a scenario where Paul has a hand that is like almost good enough to call, but kind of on the border. And in that scenario, you usually should be leaning towards either fold or raise. And I I think I like raise with this hand. It's just not a good draw, right? It's a bad draw. But being relatively deep-stacked and in position, and knowing there are going to be at least some cards on the turn that are decent for you, I think raising makes a lot of sense. And that is what Paul does. He cuts out a raise to 70,000. So now, Tony G is in an interesting spot, right? Because at this point, he's either against a strong made hand, which has Tony crushed, or a draw. And there aren't really very many obvious draws on King-7-2, so the draws are going to be pretty bad draws. So either Tony G has a lot of equity, or he has relatively little, right? Because if Paul's raising with, like, King-Queen, Tony's drawing to exactly a 9. And you don't really want to be in this situation where your opponent is very clearly polarized when you're out of position, because what's going to happen in this spot is if Paul feels inclined, he can just Blast the turn and blast the river with a relatively balanced range and put Tony G in a miserable scenario. So, you have to be. This is why you do not necessarily want to lead. Because I understand Tony G is in great shape in this scenario. And he's especially going to be in great shape if he's using this leading strategy as an exploitative play. Because he knows, or I'm presuming that he knows, that Paul's going to raise a lot. But in general, you want to avoid this play because it's going to lead you to some pretty bad scenarios. And, like, to be fair, King 9 is a pretty strong hand. Uh, what some people do in this spot is they, ra- they lead with hands like 8-7 on the King 7-2 board. And then when they get raised, they're going to be against either good made hands or stuff like Queen Jack of Hearts that has plenty of equity, which is definitely not where you want to be. Leading with marginal made hands leads to dicey spots. So anyway, Tony's going to give it some thought. And like I don't see how he could possibly fold here. I think that would be quite bad. I think if you are electing to lead with a hand like this, you should probably um, should probably not fold. Tony's chatting him up a bit. Maybe getting a read. It definitely is worth mentioning that when you are playing live poker with your opponents, you very likely should at least consider trying to get reads by being talkative, being chatty. I realize that's not in some people's personality. It's not really in my personality. Believe it or not, I... I Talk on the internet some, but not so much in the poker world. And that is... Uh, I do think there is value in that. Now, I realize Tony G is a little bit um, aggressive sometimes with his speech. I don't necessarily recommend that. But that said, I mean, I'm sure you could develop a persona for that. But um, I tend to just play strong ranges and adjust accordingly. And that seems to work out pretty great. All right. So, turn as a queen. Tony G does call. Turns a queen, giving Paul middle pair... Now, Tony G checks, as he definitely should, and Paul went from having a junky draw to a very clear marginal made hand. So I would definitely not bet in this scenario if I was in Paul's shoes, because the Queen's going to win at the showdown a lot of the time. And it does go check-check, which is great. On the river, is an 8. So uh, Paul got there with his 5% equity, which is a whole lot of fun. And pot was 172k, And Tony G. pretty quickly bets 100k. I am not a fan of this bet. Because if Paul does have a king, it's probably going to be a decent king, right? I mean, of course, he could just have like king 3 suited or something. That's going to call. But if Tony checks the river, king 3 suited may just go ahead and bet itself anyway. So you're probably going to get money in against that hand either way. If Paul does have exactly a queen, then... Yes, you extract value, and to be fair, like, a queen should be one of the draws, call it draws again, that um, Paul should have. He should have a whole lot of hands like queen-jack suited, queen-ten suited, queen-nine suited. Obviously, if he has jack-ten suited, jack-nine suited, he doesn't have anything here and may decide to raise. Um, So this is, again, one of these scenarios where Tony really needs to have a good idea of how to respond if Paul raises, and... Tough to know what to do in these spots because obviously a lot of draws missed. So I think if Tony does get raised here, there are a lot of potential bluff hands. However, Tony's range looks at least decently strong, right? I would not expect Tony to just be running a very, very thin value bet or a total bluff here all that often. Because think about it from his point of view, right? He bet the flop, got raised decently large. So Tony really should not have a whole lot of hands like jack ten of hearts at that point. So, Tony's range looks a whole lot like a made hand. So, on the river, if Tony does bet here and Paul raises, you have to think that Paul has a strong hand because Tony has made it somewhat clear that he has a strong hand, right? And against strong hands, you typically... If you have announced I have a strong hand and then somebody still raises you, they probably have something pretty good. So now, should Paul raise? I think he probably should. He really doesn't lose too so much here besides king-eight. That's about it. Maybe like queen seven somehow. So, oh, I'm sorry. He beats queen seven. So he, he beats basically everything. So when Paul Rivers two pair facing a 100K bet, he should raise. He's trying to get called here by, well, mostly a king, right? So how much will a king call? Um, Probably not too much. Again, this is where it really does depend on your opponent and their general tendency. Because if, uh, again, it is worth mentioning Tony only has 366K behind. And and Paul only has 422. So if if, um, Paul does raise, it would be all-in for his 422. Um, And that would be four times the river bet. If you think your opponent thinks that you are capable of making big river bluffs, then I definitely love an all-in here. You can get called by a lot of worse hands, mainly a king. And that's going to work out amazingly well. So I definitely think an all-in is a viable play. And... Quite possibly the best play against a lot of players. Now, if you know Tony's range is relatively marginal, which maybe Paul does, maybe he doesn't, if his range is marginal, being mostly decent kings that will fold to an all-in, well, then now you should probably pick a smaller raise size, right? Because you just want to give way better odds. And I think that's probably what I would do in this scenario if I thought Tony's range was specifically what it is. And also, raising small does give Tony the option to make a, an absurd all-in, which I don't think is going to happen all that often. But, hey, you never know. So, I think in this scenario, Paul yeah, has either two options. Either go all-in or raise small. A small raise, I think, would be something like 225. So, 100K bet. It's almost a min-raise, a little bit more than a min-raise. To try to get called by the vast majority of Tony's value range, which I think, in this scenario, given the way it's played out, should be at most of Tony's range. But if you think he's going to pay a big bet, you should probably just go for the big bet. So, facing Tony's bet, Paul gives it some thought. It's always nice whenever you raise the flop with nothing. (laughs) Turn a pair and river two pair. So, in this scenario, when the action is on you in live poker, you want to do everything you can to try to make it look like you are either making a read on your opponent or... Like, getting the courage to run a bluff. And now, if you're watching this, Paul is doing a heck of an acting job. He's looking like, "Uh, do I call? Do I call? And then, he men raises. <laughs> if I am looking at that in live poker, that is almost always, like, the look unhappy and then still raise is almost always a sign of extreme strength. Now, again, Paul may be reversing this every once in a while, but what you all just witness if you're watching this on JonathanLittlePoker.com, is it's a bit of a Hollywood, right? And I typically prefer my Hollywoods to be a little bit more subtle than that. Um, that said, maybe it's going to work. Facing this, Min like I would just fold if I was Tony every time. I mean, it's unfortunate. You don't want to be here. You don't really lose to a whole lot, but sometimes physical mannerisms are... like, universal to some extent, right? I mean, I'm I'm not a big fan of saying that some tells are relatively generic, but the look unhappy and then still raise is almost always a sign of extreme strength. So, like, even here, if Tony had something like king 2 for top and bottom pair, I would be pretty unhappy. I would still call a king 2, but I think the king 9 is... It's unfortunate. You don't want to fold this hand, but I think you just have to fold it. But... Tony does make the call and loses the nice pot to the queen eight. And I'm, I'm sure that he's not enjoying that because he had to, he had to get exactly runner-runner to get there. And, well, sometimes you do. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. hope you enjoyed it. If you have not already, make sure you head over to PokerCoaching.com where I explain the topics like leading and raising leads in the Cash Game Masterclass I have there. You can check that out at PokerCoaching.com slash Hope you enjoy it, good luck in your games, have fun, and I will talk to you next week.